Hey players, let's level up your poker strategy. I'm Upswing Poker VP Mike Brady, and Poker Pro Gary Blackwood is here to help you win more money with one of the best starting hands in the game. Hey, what's up, guys? Today we're going to be talking about Ace King Big Slick, how to play it when you hit and how to play it when you miss. Yeah, Ace King is one of those hands that really makes people feel things. You know, some players seem legitimately scared when they're dealt it, as if they have no chance of winning. They often play it very passively as a result. Other players fall on the opposite end of the spectrum and actually overvalue Ace King, playing it too aggressively too often, committing too many chips, which is very much possible with Ace King. Regardless of your personal feelings towards Big Slick, there's no doubt that learning how to play it properly will be very valuable for you in the long run. If you've read one of the dozens of starting hand articles on UpswingPoker.com that tell you how to play different hands in Nolan and Hold'em, you're going to be very familiar with the format of this one. We're going to start by running through all the common preflop scenarios that you might find yourself in with Ace-King. The goal is to help you make the profitable preflop decisions that will set yourself up for postflop success. From there, we'll share three tips for playing Ace-King when you hit the flop, and three more tips for playing it when you miss. Hit that like button or rate the podcast five stars if you're ready to increase your win rate. Let's get into it. So, Gary, I think we should start by making our way through the preflop game tree. Assuming standard 100 big blind stacks, no antis, what's your strategy with ace-king when the pot is unopened? This is the easiest answer ever for me on this podcast. We want to be raising it up if we're playing cash games, tournaments, sit and goes, heads up versus grandma for her weekly pension. We're always raising and never limping. It's one of the best hands we can have. So we want to build the pot as quickly as possible. Yeah, a little bit of a layup for you starting out. And this one's going to be a little bit less of a layup, but but in the same vein. What about when you're facing a raise? Are you always three betting with ace king? So there are definitely some spots in tournaments where we want to play a decent amount of flats versus a raise when holding ace-king. But we're, of course, talking about cash games today. And the answer is, for the most part, yes. If we're talking about online poker in games below 500 NL, the rake is too high for us to flat with a hand like ace-king. So I'll just three bet it all the time versus all positions. Higher stakes online, you do get to flat ace-king versus a raise in two specific spots when you're on the button versus an under-the-gun raise and in the big blind versus an under-the-gun raise. Not always but it definitely is in there sometimes. I would also play some flats with Ace-King offsuit in live full ring games. I'm always 3-betting Ace-King suited. It's just too strong. But not that often flatting the Ace-King offsuit. Only, you know, under the gun plus one or under the gun plus two versus a super tight player opening under the gun. But for the most part, it's a very strong hand and we for sure want to 3-bet it. We, of course, did a great episode all about 3-betting recently. And a general rule of thumb for 3-betting is to go 3.2 to 3.5x when you're in position and at least 4x when you're out of position all the way up to 4.5x. It just kind of depends on your opponent's raise size. If they raise small like a min-raise, you should lean towards the bigger multiples with your three bet. If they raise a bit bigger, like a 3x raise, you can, of course, decrease that multiple. Yes, yeah, so to sum that up a little bit, you're mostly going to be three betting the ace-king versus a raise, but there are a handful of spots where you sprinkle in calls, kind of to make your range a little bit more robust post-flop. You can hit those ace and king high boards a little harder, and then you're not always having a range that has a ton of ace-king combos in your three betting post-flop range. And when it comes to sizing, you're generally going to be going smaller when you're in position, bigger when you're out of position, and that exact multiple you choose is going to depend on their open size. When they go for the bigger sizes, your multiple doesn't have to be quite as big. Definitely check out our 3-betting episode if you want to learn all about why that is and more about 3-betting. 
All right, so moving on in the preflop game tree, how do things change when there's a raise and a call in front of you? So still deciding whether or not to three bet, but there's a caller in between. Are you even more likely to put in that three bet, a squeeze in this case, with ace-king? Yeah, very much so. We always want to be squeezing in this spot. The player who's called the original open will so rarely be trapping with aces or kings here. So we're just always doing so well versus the caller's range. And of course, ace-king is doing extremely well versus the opener's range in every spot as well, just because of how strong it is. We also dominate a ton of both of their calling ranges versus our squeeze. When they've got hands like king-queen suited, ace-queen, ace-jack, all those types of hands that can either open or call an open, and then in fact call our squeeze. We're doing so well versus, and of course we have two over pairs versus all of their pocket pairs, so this is a spot where we absolutely have to go ahead and squeeze. Yeah, don't be mixing in the flats when there's uh, a raise and a call in front of you. You do not want to play this hand multi-way, at least not without making them pay for it. Now, suppose you raise and face a 3-bet. This is where I suspect a lot of our listeners make the mistake of either 4-betting too frequently, maybe always, or 4-betting too infrequently, like they're just calling too often, not being willing to put in that 4th-bet preflop. How would you recommend playing Ace-King against a 3-bet? So we actually do a decent amount of flatting with Ace-King preflop versus a 3-bet, but that's mainly in position. You'll see a flat here approximately 75% of the time. There are several reasons for this, but one of the most important reasons is that when we 4-bet, our opponent is, of course, out of position and they have to do a bunch of folding. So when they call our 4-bet or when they 5-bet jam, their range becomes really strong. But when we flat the 3-bet, they have got so many weak hands in their range, especially hands that we dominate. It's just a much higher EV play a lot of the time. We do a little bit of 4-betting with Ace-King in position, and that's only because our opponent will be forced to call with some hands that we dominate, hands like Ace-Queen suited, maybe King-Queen suited as well. But for the most part, just flatting to keep our opponent's range really nice and wide, and it's much easier for us to play in position versus a weaker range compared to playing against a really strong calling range versus our 4-bet or a 5-bet range, which is, of course, very strong indeed. So in position, are you also flatting with Ace-King suited a lot, or does having the suited variety of Ace-King make you pretty much always pump in that 4-bet? Yeah, glad you asked. Ace-King suited is, of course, very strong indeed, so it can go ahead and 4-bet. But the all-suit variety, of course, really nice for us to have in our flatting range. Yeah, and there's one other really nice thing about flatting with Ace-King sometimes, and this includes flatting versus three bets with Ace-King, as you do sometimes, or flatting versus opens, like you do sometimes with Ace-King. It makes your aggressive range, the three-betting range, the four-betting range, whatever, have fewer Ace-Kings in it, right? Which makes it a little bit less face-up in a way. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have been in that scenario where, you know, they have ace-king, they miss the flop, and their opponent calls them down with some middle pair or something because they put them on ace-king. It's a very natural thing to do because ace-king often makes up a relatively big proportion of an aggressive preflop range. So if there's no ace or king on the flop, kind of can be sticky to play it, and it's kind of easy for your opponent to put you on that hand. But if you play ace-king offsuit specifically in the passive line sometimes, that makes your aggressive line have ace-king less often, so you're not running into these situations where it's like, oh god, so much of my range is ace-king, and ace-king is nothing, my hands kind of face up, and it kind of sucks, that happens less often. So it's a really nice secondary benefit to having ace-king in those flatting ranges pre-flop. So you talked about in position, but what about out of position? Out of position, we will still flat a 3-bet with Ace-King offsuit, but it's very infrequently, on average, around, you know, 20 to 25% of the time. I guess that frequency will go up if we're playing against a much tighter player, one whose 3-bet range is going to be much stronger, and they won't call 4-bets with the types of hands that we have dominated. 
So it would be perfectly fine to flat Ace-King more often versus that type of player out of position. We're all about making the right types of adjustments versus the right types of players here on the Level Up podcast. But for the most part, Ace-King is going to be a 4-bet when you're out of position and you're facing a 3-bet. Yeah, speaking of making adjustments, I kind of want to run one by you real quick. So I think a lot of our listeners and viewers play in games with some very passive type players. I'm talking about the types of players who have a limping and a raising rage preflop, and that limping range is actually pretty strong. Like, they'll limp hands like ace-jack offsuit, king-10 suited, like a lot of really pretty good hands that they should be raising. So then when they do raise, it's because they have a really, really good hand, you know, like king-queen suited or better, like ace-queen suited, like really strong range, pocket nines are better maybe. Against those players, when they open, when they 3-bet, etc., we should be flatting even more with ace-king, right? Because their range is so tight. Yeah, absolutely. As we say, you know, we're, we're all about making adjustments in the right spots. And that's very much one of the spots that we want to adjust is that, you know, we can cost ourselves a lot of money by overplaying ace-king versus the wrong types of players. We've all, as Mike said, played against players who are, you know, their limping ranges are really strong and, you know, their opening ranges are unbelievably strong. You know, those are not the types of players that we want to be always four betting ace king or, you know, always three betting ace king versus those types of players. It's completely fine to make adjustments and, you know, not always four bet. And, and in some cases, we want to just flat their opens because they are very tight players and their, their, their raising ranges are so strong or their three betting ranges are so strong. So don't be afraid to go ahead and deviate from, from what you know to be correct versus the right types of players, because ultimately it's going to be a much more profitable play. Yeah, no doubt. Let's wrap up the preflop discussion with playing versus 4-bets now. So when you 3-bet with Ace-King and face a 4-bet, are you pretty much always shoving with 100 big blind stacks? And then how do things change at deeper stacks such as 200 big blinds? I think it would be a mistake to always shove. You want to mix in some calls in the right situations, a little more so in position versus good players. If you look at an out of position four bet range, their bluffs are going to be a bunch of hands that we dominate. Hands like ace, queen, offsuit, king, jack suited, king, queen suited, all those types of hands which we dominate, which is very nice for us to flap their four bet and the flop's going to come ace or king high and we've got them dominated. When you're out of position, it's less appealable to flat the 4-bet, so we're just jamming extremely often. Not always, there are some extreme situations where under the gun opens and we 3-bet in the big blind and then they 4-bet. Obviously, their 4-bet range is very strong there, so we can definitely have some calls in that specific spot for sure. However, button opens, we 3-bet in the small blind and then the button 4-bets absolutely want to be five bet shoving there all day every day now when we get a little bit deeper yes absolutely we want to play much more passively with ace king getting in 100 big blinds with ace king is obviously fine but think about how strong your opponent's range is when they're getting in for 200 big blinds our ace king kind of shrivels up a little bit and you for sure want to play more passively again never a bad thing because if you flat the three bet or flat the four bet you're going to have your opponent much more dominated and their range is going to be wider than if you were to just go ahead and shove it in for 200 big blinds and be up against aces or kings virtually always. Maybe queens if you're lucky or, or maybe uh, <laughs> also ace king if you're lucky. But yeah, that's that's not a good best case scenario is, uh, yeah. is being a flip or, or a tie. Exactly. Post-flop time. Can you give our listeners three tips for playing ace king when they hit an ace or king on the flop? Okay, so tip number one, the board will of course be ace or king high, which is generally an amazing board for you as a preflop aggressor, and you're going to want to bet those boards extremely often. Not always though, there are going to be some ace high boards 
that you don't want to bet your entire range on. Let's look at three bet pots out of position where you don't necessarily always bet. There are going to be spots like small blind versus button on ace four three flush draw. You'll have to do a little bit of checking here and your ace king isn't always going to want to bet. It's going to want to bet a decent amount, but you want to mix in some checks for sure. So bet very often for a small size with your range, but learn the specific spots where you might want to do some trapping and mix in some checks. Yeah, and I will say one thing on that tip. That's definitely the equilibrium strategy to do some checking with Ace-King there. That said, I have seen some good players take the approach of simplifying to always betting Ace-King there, but then checking Ace-Queen more or something like that. So just kind of throwing that out there as like an option. If you do want to have a little simpler strategy, you can, you know, bet the Ace-King every time, but then check like Ace-Queen, Ace-Jack more often. Just presenting that, but Gary's absolutely right. That is the computer correct equilibrium strategy is to mix in some checks with Ace-King on a board like Ace-5-3. Okay, tip number two in single raise pots in position. Don't always keep blasting with your top pair on the turn. Case in point, say for example, we open the button and we see bet small on a board like ace, eight, six, rainbow. We only bet a hand like ace, king half the time on a seven turn. So ace, eight, six, seven, ace, king bets half the time. Ace, eight, six, six, we're only betting our ace, king 30% of the time. But on an ace, eight, six, two turn card, we're betting our ace, king virtually always remember that while your hand is very strong on the flop there are some turns that are really bad for you and your hand does not always want to bet the turn when you bet the flop not even close so get into the habit of recognizing those turns that are really bad for you and understanding that your ace king isn't always as strong as it might look when those bad turn cards roll off yeah, it really just comes down to how much that turn hits your opponent's range, right? You said the six or the seven turn on that ace eight six board. The seven turn completes a lot of their straight draws, gives them a lot of two pairs with their suited connectors, maybe even a set of sevens. The turn six gives them trips with a hand like seven six suited or five six suited, which is a hand that you're fairly unlikely to have. So you have to slow down with your entire range on those boards, including with a quite good hand like ace king. You got to protect the rest of that checking range with that ace king as well. All right, Gary, what's your third tip for when you hit the flop with Ace-King? Tip number three, let's look at three bet pots out of position. Very often you're betting super wide, as we already mentioned, on these Ace-High and King-High boards. Once your flop bet is called, though, your overall range generally isn't doing that great on the turn. That's something we covered in a very recent episode. That means you have to do a lot of checking with your range on the turn and your Ace-King, your top pair, top kicker, can be such a brilliant hand to check with on the turn. To allow your opponent to bluff, to value cut themselves, you can check call your ace king, mainly doing a lot of check shoving though, but it's really important that we're mixing in some checks with top pair, top kicker on the turn, out of position in three bet pots, so that we can either check call and let our opponent blast the river, or we can go ahead and check shove and get them to call off with their top pairs that obviously don't be our top pair. All right, this part is less fun, but arguably even more important. Can you give our listeners three tips for playing ace-king when they don't hit top pair on the flop? Yeah, so I'm going to use some three-bet pots for the examples in each of these tips, but of course the concepts apply to single-raise pots as well. Mike said earlier that ace-king can make us feel a little bit scared. This is absolutely a spot where ace-king can feel a little bit scary when we, you know, we've whiffed the flop and we're, we're trying to work out how to play it. 
So tip number one here is kind of the opposite to tip number one a moment ago. Just because you whiff the flop doesn't mean you automatically check. There are a lot of scenarios where you bet your ace-king always, and one perfect example, cut-off opens, we three-bet on the button, they call, flop is jack, six, deuce, rainbow, it's a range bet, so our ace-king is, of course, going to bet always. We can use a single-raise pot example as well. We open the button, the big blind calls, flop is, you know, queen, seven, deuce, rainbow. We see better ace-king always because our range is always betting. I'm going to go off on a slight tangent here, but it's really, really important. You really want to focus on how your range wants to play as opposed to how your ace-king wants to play or, you know, if you flop bottom set or if you've got nine high, you want to recognize the scenarios where you want to bet your entire range. In the last episode, of course, we talked about range betting extensively. So let's really focus on how our range wants to play and not just how our hand wants to play. Yes, we've missed the flop with ace-king, but if our range wants to always bet, we can just go ahead and always bet our ace-king. That leads me into tip number two. There are, of course, some boards where you don't bet your entire range, but your ace-king is still going to want to bet sometimes. Say, for example, the button opens, we three-bet the small blind, they call, the flop comes down, eight, three, deuce, rainbow. Our ace-king is still going to want to bet very often. And it's not a bluff. It's actually more of a value bet. The button will call our C-bet with hands like ace-queen, king-queen, king-jack, even queen-jack suited is in there with a backdoor flush draw. So let's not go ahead and think, well, I've missed the flop. My ace-king is not winning. I want to go ahead and check. Let's recognize scenarios where the board is low, relatively disconnected. If we bet with ace-king, sure, we're going to get called by some better hands, but there are a lot of worse hands that are going to flow our C-bet. So just remember, just because you've missed the flop with ace-king, it doesn't automatically mean you don't have the best hand anymore, and you can actually value bet the flop sometimes. Yeah, and you also deny some equity, right? Because, for example, you use that 8-3-2 example. Other good examples of this would be like low paired boards. So maybe the board comes like 8-2-2 or like 7-3-3, something like that, where it doesn't really hit either player's range too much. To have a made hand at that point, you basically have to have a pocket pair. So by betting ace-king on, say, 7-3-3, you're going to get hands like jack-10 suited to fold sometimes, which is nice because they had six outs to beat you. And then you're also going to get called by some hands that you beat or even have dominated, like, say, ace-queen. And that's kind of a dream spot because imagine you bet on 7-3-3, they call with ace-queen when you have ace-king, and the turn's an ace. Now you're going to be able to bet the turn, you're going to be able to bomb the river, and you're going to make a ton of money from them, and you built the pot with that initial flop bet, which set you up to win a really nice, juicy pot, and you denied some equity from those hands that would fold. All right, so I'll kick it back over to you for one last time in this episode, Gary, for your third tip on playing ace-king when you miss. Yeah, last but not least, when we miss the flop with ace-king, we should be prepared to go ahead and call a little bit of aggression. When we do go ahead and miss, you can't always check fold if you 3-bet pre-flop and check to your opponent on a board like 10-5-deuce. When they stab, they're going to have a lot of bluffs in their range. You could also turn an ace or a king, and your opponent might just go ahead and shut down and you get to see the river. If we get a really extreme or you know super bad flop like 7-6-5 or all monotone and we don't have the flush draw, of course check folding is fine there. But those disconnected boards like you know 9-4-deuce or jack-8-3, Let's be brave and go ahead and check call correctly when we miss. And on the flip side, say, for example, we open the button and the big blind calls and a single raise pot and, you know, we check back on a board like 8-5-deuce. If our opponent stabs on something like a 10 or a deuce, you know, it's okay for us to call the turn in position with that ace-king when we're ahead a decent amount of the time. It's really important we're not just going ahead and check folding always when we miss our ace-king because it is the best hand a decent amount of the time still. And we can, of course, improve if we turn an ace or a king. 
Yeah, that that board you just said, I think it was eight, five, deuce, ten. Uh, that's like a perfect example in my eyes because there's so many straight draws on that board that your opponent can potentially have and be bluffing with. And if there's a flush draw, they can obviously have the flush draws too. So Ace King is ahead of all of the draws. And then you also, against a lot of the made hands, all the one pair made hands for the most part, you have six outs. So it's overall pretty nice hand to call with. One word of caution is to be sensitive to your opponent's bet sizing. Sometimes some players, especially live, are not going to have the quote-unquote right bet sizes. They're kind of going to make your life easy, so let them make your life easy and just fold if they bet huge. For example, we use that Jack-8-3 flop that Gary just used as an example. We check to our opponent after 3-betting on Jack-8-3. If they bomb it, like pot it, or like something huge, and they're just a tight live player who just probably has a Jack, you can let it go. You're not getting great pot odds, and you know you don't have great implied odds if you hit that ace or a king. So be sensitive to the bet sizes, but if your opponent is using kind of, again, quote-unquote right sizes, like, you know, 33% pot, 50% pot, whatever, you're often going to be able to call with that ace-king. All right, you should now have a pretty good idea of how to play ace-king both pre-flop and after the flop, regardless of what three cards the dealer fans. If you've enjoyed this episode, hit that like button if you're watching on YouTube, or rate the podcast five stars. Also, share it with your friends. We'd really appreciate kind of helping us get the word out there, sharing it on social media, anything like that. And if you want to be notified when future episodes come out, hit that follow button or the subscribe button. It's hard to keep track. It's different on seemingly every platform, but hit that button. You will get notified when a new one comes out. We tend to release episodes every Wednesday unless we're taking a break for some reason. So you can expect one next week. We will see you then.